Hello and welcome to Heal, Pray, Grow, a podcast that helps you heal from rejection, pray for peace, and grow in abundance. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Heal, Pray, Grow. My name is Tanisha Johnson, a.k.a. TJ Self-Care. I just want to say for all my listeners who have been with me for a while, I have definitely, definitely missed you uh, between being sick and trying to finish my book. The time just kind of flew by. And before I knew it, I was like, oh, my God, it's been like three weeks (laughs) since I have done an episode. But no fear, because I am here. I am back. Um, I am enjoying spending this time with you guys. I love reading your reviews. I love seeing um, your comments. So I just want to thank everyone who has been listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for just supporting this and my journey to, you know, really discover ways to really support everyone on their healing journey. I know everybody doesn't like to read books. I know everyone is not on social media. And so I said to myself, Tanisha, you need to start a podcast for people who, like yourself, just want to listen to a good word, get some encouragement um, while they are on their way to work or at the gym or chilling at home, etc., etc. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. Today's topic is the truth about fear. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this um, is because oftentimes I think fear gets a bad rep. I think sometimes, you know, we think that we shouldn't be fearful You know, while we're on our healing journey, we should walk boldly and proudly. We deserve to set these boundaries. We deserve to tell people how they, you know, how we feel about them. We deserve to advocate for ourselves. And so we are going to walk proudly. Uh, We are not going to be fearful. Right. Um, And I want to say that I I disagree with that. Um, And I want to share the truth about fear. You know, so before we start talking about the truth, let's talk about three myths. Okay. Myth number one, fear is not the enemy. Okay. So we need fear and I'm going to explain why, because I know you're probably listening to this. Like what is Tanisha talking about today? One of the reasons why we need fear, in my opinion, while we're on our healing journey specifically from people pleasing a codependency, okay? I want to make sure I make that clear. Fear actually is an indication that we are moving in the right direction. So when you initially first start to speak your mind, set boundaries, say no, and truly mean it, not going back, not regressing, it could be a really scary place. And the fear that we feel inside of us, whether it's bubbles in our stomach or we notice our voice starts to shimmer and shake or we notice that, you know, we just overall just have a have a feeling within us like what's going to happen when I do this. That is good for you to have because it's an indication to you that regardless of what you think you may be doing in your life, you are actually progressing by you even thinking about setting a boundary is progress by you even being able to acknowledge, okay, this is a time I need to say no is progress. All of it is progress. So I never want you to think that, oh, well, if I'm scared, you know, that means I'm really not growing. No, fear is an indication that you are growing. Because fear is going to be something that is just inevitable when you are on this healing journey from people pleasing and codependency. We have to remember, we are doing things that we've never done in our life, right? And as I've shared, you know, on previous podcasts, you know, the true essence of healing from 
people please and codependency is being able to merge our inner child with our adult self and grow emotionally, have that emotional development growth. And so when that happens, you know, that little child inside of us is scared. You know, they have never done some of the things that you are doing. They have never thought some of the things that you are thinking. And so it feels really scary. And that's good. That fear is good because it lets you know that you are progressing. It lets you know that you are healing. So consider your feelings of fear to mean this is something that is important to me. Okay. One myth about fear, another myth about fear is people say, you know, well, if you're fearful about it, you really don't want to do it. And I want you to look at the other perspective, okay? When it comes to us healing, when you are fearful of setting a boundary, this means that it's really something important to you. This means that for maybe even the first time in your life or in a long time, you are able to identify your own needs, you're able to identify what you want to do, and you can see that by you making this decision to say yes to this to this thing or to commit to this person or whatever it is, that is going to take you off of the track that you want for your life. So when you start to get fearful of telling someone your needs, that's an indication that you need to continue to do it because it's something that's really important to you, right? It's almost like whatever you need, whether it be, you know, rest, support, um, encouragement, um, for them to learn how to do things on their own, whatever that looks like, by you being fearful to ask for that, but still pushing through, it shows that you are becoming your first priority. And that's what we want. Like we want you to be the priority in your life. That's the goal. That's the goal for all of us to be the priority in our own life. Okay. For so long, you know, when you really stop and think you have lived for other people. I told you guys, I've been helping people since I literally was a toddler. Okay trying to support my mother by taking care of myself at a very, very young age, right? Trying to support my aunt who was elderly, who had cancer, Um, you know, working as soon as I turned like 15 and a half, trying to get that permit so that I could work, so that I could make my own money, right? So I wouldn't have to burden my mom down with asking her for money that she did not have, right? And all of us have these stories, right? Some of you may share the same trauma wounds as me, or they may be somewhat different, but we all have a story, right? And within that story, all of us had to grow up very, very fast in what we were supposed to. You know, our growth was rapid. We became adults and started trying our best to think like adults from a very young age. So we deserve to be able to to sit in the moments of our life and reflect on what we need and and carry that out. Okay, number three. So fear plays the role of a directive on our path to healing and peace. So this kind of goes with number two. So, you know, similar myth is that, you know, when we feel fear, fear means maybe this is something we shouldn't do. That's the myth. Right. But what I encourage you to reflect on is what about when we feel fear? That's how we know that this is the path that we need to be going on. It's something there. Right. The fear is an indication most of the time that we have been here before. Right. So I'm not sure if we've talked about it on previous podcasts, but our subconscious holds all of our past trauma. And a lot of times in order to survive, one coping mechanism that we will do is we will push back those memories. Sometimes we freeze the memories, um, meaning that our brain literally just kind of compartmentalizes all the things that are heavy on us that we didn't know how to conceptualize as children. Uh, we, We just freeze 
that pain. Um, and then when we get triggered, that's when it, that's when memories start to come up. So a lot of times fear can be a trigger to some of those things. And so when we start to feel fearful, when we start to wonder and question, okay, is this really something I should be doing? That's when we really need to do more soul searching. We need to do more uh, journaling. We need to do more, um, you know, talking to people that we trust. You know, if you have a therapist, if you have a coach, etc. We need to be able to get those thoughts out so that we can identify what exactly is the thing we're fearful of. Because whatever that is, more than likely, it's a place in us that needs to be healed and it needs to be uh, it needs to be processed. So focus on what is, not what if, okay? So I share with you guys all the time my little stories and stuff, but I really want you to know and also empathize with, I myself am a recovering codependent. So a lot of times my clients you know, they'd be like, Tanisha, do you have a camera in my house? Are you somewhere around? How do you know exactly what's going on with me? And it's because I've been there before. <laughs> you know, I've been there, you know. And so I want to share with you uh, the main fear codependents have is the fear of the unknown. Okay. That fear of if I set this boundary, what's going to happen? If I say no to my friend or my family member or my spouse or, you know, significant other, what's going to happen? If I set a boundary at my job and don't take that extra work, what is going to happen? Okay. These are all things that they haunt us. Okay. Like a plague. And they prevent us from being able to set necessary boundaries. Right. We fear other people's response and the impact that response will have on us. And we get trapped in the thoughts and the anxiety for some of us, you know, and it just prevents us from being able to advocate for ourselves, to speak up. And let's be real. Many times, many of us don't know how to advocate for ourselves because there were never anyone there to listen. We had absent parents. I share with my clients all the time, don't beat yourself up for not knowing how to speak up for yourself because we literally did not get any practice. If there was no one there to listen to your needs, how are you supposed to say anything? How are you supposed to know? Where were you supposed to to get um, examples of what it looks like to speak your needs and someone says someone says okay or someone goes ahead and supports you if that parent was preoccupied with trying to manage their own mental health drug addiction self-regulate themselves alcoholism all these things we did not have a parent that was able to really do that for us and, you know, and sometimes we just have to sit right there for a little bit and accept that. I work with a lot of clients. Um, so as I've shared with you guys, I do have my coaching program. Um, I have my coaching program, you know, the Healing Transformation, which is a 10-week program. And I also have um, Emerge, which is a six-week program for clients who have done a lot of work already and just need help in specific areas of their healing. And in both of those programs, you know, I run into people all the time who really have not processed how they became codependent. You know, one of the reasons why, um, if you have listened, if you have not listened to episode one, if you have time, I encourage you. One of the reasons why episode one talked about what is codependency is because I oftentimes have to break things down for people, you know, people pleasing is the behavior that comes from codependency. Now, people pleasing um, there, you can be a people pleaser without being a codependent. However, most of the time, the two go together. 
Because in your childhood, something happened where that parent made a clear indication to you, whether it was verbal or nonverbal, that you were not the priority in their life. They had other things going on, right? We talked about the categories that codependents fall into. People who are likely to be codependent generally had a parent that struggled with alcoholism, substance abuse, was a teen parent, had a physical or mental health disability, or just overall struggled to self-regulate themselves. Therefore, they could not tap into their child's cues and be in tune with what they need. So when we deal with parents like that, in order to survive, codependency is a survival skill. We learn that, okay, as long as I am trying to support this person, whether it be taking care of my younger brothers and sisters, helping around the house, etc., then I will free them from their plate. And hopefully, hopefully they will love, they will be able to love me. That is the goal. The goal of every codependent is we're going to give and give and give because we see people in our lives that struggle. And then once we give, they are going to be able to love us. We just need to give them that extra boost. We need to pour into their cup a little bit. But what we fail to understand is by us pouring into other people's cups, we are losing what we need for ourselves. We're giving them our energy, our emotional support, our time, our advice, etc. And we're losing. So it's like, even if they're able to pour a little bit back into us, it still is not going to even be close to what we gave them. Now, as children, we didn't know any better, right? I'd say all the time, I thank God for codependency because it helped me to survive. It helped you to survive. Some of us may not even be here if we weren't able to adapt in that way. But now we're past surviving. It's time to live. We're living now. And we can't live if we're still focused on supporting others more than ourselves. We can't live if we are still people-pleasing. Right? And so the reason why this all connects back to the topic today is we have to be able to remind ourselves in those moments of fear of who we are and what we've already been through. Right? So some questions that we ask ourselves, because I know you, remember? Some questions <laughs> that we ask ourselves is we, we ask ourselves, you know, Will I be okay if this person doesn't like my boundary? Will setting boundaries lead to me being lonely? Will I have to figure out life alone? Right? And and the kicker about that one is most of the time, not asking for support creates a world where we're doing everything alone anyway. So it's like we want help, but we don't trust the people in our circle. We don't trust the people in our circle because many times they've shown us time and time again that they are not reliable. So if you find yourself unable to know when to leave relationships, that is a trauma response. That comes from you not being able to leave when you were a child. When we were children, we couldn't leave. At seven or eight years old, when our parent passed out and we were scared and we didn't know what to do, we couldn't pack up our suitcase and say, okay, well, you know, you're drunk. I don't deal with this, so I'm leaving. We had to stay there. When we were being yelled at, 
you know, verbally abused, physically abused by our parents for things that we didn't understand, you couldn't leave. You couldn't say, I don't tolerate people talking to me like that. <laughs> you know, you couldn't say, you know, I don't tolerate people hitting me. We couldn't do that as stuff. And listen, I'm an 80s baby, too. In the 80s, there was no call in Child Protective Services, okay? That that still was, was, was foreign. So if you a 90s baby or you a 2000s baby, you know, um, the world had evolved to a place where, you know, you could be removed from the house if things were really too dangerous, you know, and maybe some of you have been through that. Um, and if you have, um, you know, I, I commend you for finding a way to get out of that situation until your parent was stable enough to, uh, to raise you. But if you were early 80s baby like myself, it wasn't no calling the police. <laughs> well, you know, that was still foreign to us, especially if you were a child, a minority. It's like, what you talking about? You know, we can't do that. So there was literally no way out. We had to stay because we needed to survive. We needed this person to put a roof over our head so we weren't sleeping on the streets. We needed food, right? We didn't have anybody else to really nurture us and guide us and love us, right? Because if we did, where were they? We had to we had to stay in these toxic, chaotic situations. So that's the reason why you find yourself staying now. So you have to you have to remind yourself, you know, the truth about fear is fear comes from a place of us not realizing what we've already been through. You've already been abandoned. You've already been rejected. Okay. You probably have heard me say this a lot. When your parent refused to help you with your homework, you were abandoned. When you came in from school and you were trying to tell your parents or your caregivers how someone picked on you and they minimized your feelings, you were rejected. When you tried to speak up for yourself and advocate for yourself and no one listened to you or you got physically abused for doing it, you were rejected. Okay? All of these things that we are fearful of now have already happened to us. So the real question I have for you is when are you going to give yourself credit for what you have already gone through? Okay, we sit up here and we get fearful about friends leaving and being mad. You know how many times you didn't have to do stuff by yourself? Do you really want to always, always be dragging people to the to the to the end of the finish line with you? I know I don't, and I didn't, and that's why I stopped. <laughs> okay? I, I want you to know that everybody listening to this, I love you. And the reason why I share these stories is because I've been through it. Seven years. July is going to be, I can't remember what date, but July is going to be eight years, eight years, okay, that I've been a recovering codependent. I did not realize my own strength and who I was until I was 33 years old. I, I am 38 now. It took me literally, I had never ever experienced anything like that in my life. I literally could not get out the bed. I turned 30 years old and my whole life just felt like it was just crashing. I looked around, I was up to my knees in debt, I had no man, no kids, no house, no job, paying nothing. I think my job at the time was paying like $18 or something like that. And I was just like, where is the story that I used to write about in my journals and my diaries? Where's my dog? Where's my two kids? 
Where's my house with the picket fence? Right? Where's all this stuff? Where's my granite countertops and my and my walk-in shower in the bathroom? Walk-in closet. Right? Where like where is this stuff? I'm in the two-bedroom apartment with my mama. <laughs> okay? And I really had to sit and reflect and say, what is holding me back? It's the, it's the fear. We have this fear that is not real. The fear is not real. It feels real. I know it does. And I, and I don't want you to think that I'm minimizing at all. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is you have gone through so much. The truth about fear is that we can use it to remember where we have already gone through. We can use it as a portal to say, I know I'm scared right now, but I'm going to go through this. I'm going to feel this. I'm going to allow myself to get through this. So I want you, I have some homework for you. If you have a sheet of paper, you know, write these questions down. I want you to ask yourself this when fear sets in. When you start feeling fearful, I want you to ask yourself, how am I feeling in my body right now? What part of your body do you notice is changing, shifting? For me, I know when I'm scared because my hands start shaking and I start feeling butterflies in my stomach. That's me. But we all have different ones. I want you to write down yours. What am I noticing that I need? Remember, we're we're looking at fear in a different way right now. Fear sets in to let us know that a need is either not being met or will soon be not being met. (laughs) One of the two, right? So which one is it for you? What, What do you need right now? What do you need in the moment? Forget about being scared. Forget about people being mad at you. Forget about, you know, how the outcome is going to be. Just think about you. Just take time to think about you and what you need. And, and then I want you to take some time to ask yourself, you know, what small steps can I take today to support me in identifying what I need to feel better? Do you need to talk to someone you trust? Do you need to journal? Do you need to walk in a park? Do you need to go to the gym? You know, get your body flowing so that your mind can flow. Do you need to set up a, a coaching session, you know, with me or somebody else that you trust? Do you need a session with your therapist? You know, what What are some things that you need to do? You know, and then where is my curiosity pointing me? You know, what areas of your healing are you curious about? What are some things that you've always wondered about yourself that you've been nervous to really just indulge into uh, because of the fear? Right? It's like, what if you just allowed yourself to travel with the fear? And I know for some people listening, you may be like, what is Tanisha talking about? Does she know what she's asking me to do? And I do. And I and I want you to know, I would never ask anybody to do anything that I haven't first tried myself and that I haven't supported hundreds of people on. You know, it works. Just dive into the fear. Just say, you know what? I'm scared right now and I'm doing it anyway. So for some of you who follow me on social media, you've already seen, you know, that I'm going to be on tour. I'm super excited. If you are close or live in the Oakland area, Los Angeles, 
Houston, Atlanta, or, or Brooklyn, I want you to know to grab your tickets because I am coming to see you. But I was so scared to put on this tour. I was like, who's going to show up? Who's coming? Why am I doing this again? <laughs> like when I first had the thought to do the tour, I was like, you know, COVID has slowed down a lot. I want to be able to get out and, and truly get this message of healing out to people in their community and essentially build community uh, by me bringing people together. Uh, people will get to know each other. And even when I'm gone, right now you guys have a community of people that you know for a fact are healing, that you know for a fact are trying to do better. So when your friends are not on the same journey, when your family's not on the same journey, perhaps you have met, you will meet somebody in this workshop that you can continue to, to grow with and heal with, um, even when I'm not there. That, that's, that was my goal. Um, and at the beginning of the year, it sounded amazing. And then as time started approaching, my little Tanisha was like, what are we doing? You doing what? You going where? Uh, what if we just sit in there by ourselves? Like, what if don't nobody want to come? And I just said, you know what? Uh-uh. See, we have to hold that part of ourselves and just dive right into it because it's something that we've never experienced right so an exercise that I do that might encourage you is I literally close my eyes and I envision a small child that looks just like me at the age of five or six years five or six years old and I talk to her and I say Tanisha, I know you're scared. I know there's something that you ain't never did, but just we just going to follow our heart and it's, it's going to be okay. And even if it doesn't work out the way we want it to, it's still going to be a lesson learned and an experience had on our healing journey. And those are the two things that we're trying to accomplish. Because we're not in survival mode anymore. We're living. We're living free. So we're going to go on this journey. And we're going to have an amazing time. And the people that God wants to come will come. And we are going to heal together. We are going to evolve together. And we are going to have an amazing, amazing experience. And I've had to tell myself that little story I just told y'all. At least four or five times. <laughs> Sometimes I even have to say a little something uh, in addition to that. Affirmations to remind myself of who I am. Okay. So I share that with, with you to say, that's what I want you to do. Whatever you've been fearful of, I want you to just step out and I just want you to open your arms and I just want you to dive right into it. And don't worry about it because the worry, the anxiety, the fear, it all comes from a place of us not really being able to live, being able to advocate for ourselves, being able to experience life. So now as adults, we're scared because every single thing in our life has been controlled because it had to be. We had to be responsible because our caregivers weren't. We had to be on top of things because our caregivers weren't. We had to know every single piece of the puzzle because they did not. We had to survive. And now we've carried that into our adulthood life. And on the outside, to other people, we look very responsible. We look very empathetic. We look very organized. We look very well put together. But internally, we are struggling. We are not unhappy. Some of us are holding on to our internal joy with just one hand. Some of us are dealing with depression daily. 
and we have found ways to cope, whether it be food, shopping, sex, all these things, binge watching TV, overworking, the list goes on and on. We're going to talk about that on the next podcast, the things that we do to survive that we have to reconsider. I don't want to say stop doing <laughs> y'all know I don't like to bring that I don't like to bring a lot of uh, controlling you know language you know stop no those things we have to consider is this still serving me right I've shared with you guys many times I had to consider is eating four cupcakes when I feel sad serving me as a child, it served me because I, it kept me quiet, made me feel better, and it gave me that boost that I needed to do whatever I had to do and still put a smile on my face. But now as an adult who's diabetic, eating four cupcakes is no longer serving me. They still taste good. <laughs> they still taste good, but they're not serving me. Right? That's mine. I want you to think about what are some things that you're doing that are not serving you. So, you know, what areas of life are we operating from? Right? And I want you to really think about this. Right? Fear versus living. This perspective. As codependents and people pleasers, we have been trained to think that we have to do things for something. I'm going to do this for this person so that they love me more, so that they help me, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? So what areas of life are we operating from? Are we operating from love or for love we should be operating from love because when we operate from love that's when we're giving from a genuine place we're giving from a place of us being full when we operate for love that's us giving out that's us thinking that we have to do something in order to be loved and supported. And that's false. That's the narrative that we're trying to break. Are we operating from joy or for joy? We should be operating from joy. But the only way we can operate from joy is by us maintaining our internal joy, which essentially is us practicing self-care. Are we operating for more or from more? We should be operating from more, right? Because again, that is coming from a place of us taking care of ourselves, our cup being over flooded, and then us giving the leftover. Are we operating for power or from power? Which one you think it is? <laughs> we should be operating from power. If you said from power, you are correct, right? So operating for something is codependency. Operating from, okay, listen to those words, for and from. Operating for is codependency. Operating from shows resiliency accurate assessment of self and needs, and internal love. And that's the goal. The goal is that we are always operating from that place. And that's why our cup has to stay full. That's why we have to take care of ourselves first. Okay? Because one thing I'm going to say, because I know I got listeners out there that are stuck on, you have a big heart, this is who you are. I want to respect you. And I also want to share with you 
because I, so for me personally, I've given up on being everything for everybody, right? But I also acknowledge that I've been doing this for almost eight years. I've been living this way for eight years. When I first started off, I thought I was going to be able to take care of myself and everybody else too. So we all have to go through our journey. But one thing I will say is if you are a person who is determined to be there for your family and friends, I want you to take extra, extra care of yourself. Because to constantly operate from a full cup means that you constantly have to be filling yourself up. So if you want to be there for everybody, you have to constantly fill your cup up. There is no excuses for you. And whatever this self-care routine looks like for you, you have to keep doing it. So if it's eight hours of sleep, if it's saying no to certain events so that you can spend time with yourself and rest, if it's not giving money to relatives when you don't have it, if it's giving your kids extra chores so that you don't have to be running around the house trying to do everything by yourself, if it's taking extra vacation time from work so that you can just stay home and focus on you, okay? If it is setting very firm boundaries with people and telling people what you do and what you don't do, do that. You have to do that. Because if you are determined to be this amazing person 24-7, you know, to your kids, your spouse, significant other, family and friends, I'm not going to say that's impossible. But what I am going to say is you need to learn very quickly who deserves that from you and who doesn't. Because in order for you to show up 100% for the people you care about, that means that you're going to have to learn who deserves that. That means that that coworker that give you coffee every now and again may not necessarily require you to constantly pour into their cup. That means your clients at the job, you shouldn't be working over, okay? When 4.30 comes, 5 o'clock come, that's it. You go home. Whatever they don't have is on them. They should have got there before 5 o'clock. Now, you may be listening to this like, man, Tanisha Cole, and I'm saying this because it's something that is required. Self-care is required. Everybody does not deserve you. I want you to envision your favorite glass of wine or your favorite beverage if you don't drink um, or your favorite cocktail, whatever, okay? If somebody told you that they was going to bring you a picture of your favorite drink, how many people would be worthy of, of a glass of that? Now, I want to tell you right now, you only got 40 ounces. Every glass is six ounces. So that means you got about a good six, six glasses that you could give out. Who going to get those six glasses? You only got six. There is not an option for you to give less. You have to give the full six ounces. And you only got 40. So those six people that you're thinking about right now, and hopefully it's six, don't be trying to, don't, I know some of y'all, well, so-and-so only need four ounces. No. <laughs> Everybody gets six ounces of you, of your drink. Now, first off, I hope you pour your, your first glass for yourself, okay? If, if you don't get nothing else from this, please don't start pouring for other people. That first glass is for you. So really, you got five, okay? Who are those five people? Now, for those of us who have a spouse and children, that may be it right there. You know, depending on how many kids you have. But these five people, okay, they are the ones who get you all the time. 
Now, I will allow you to do this. I will allow you to to uh, to put to put friends together, okay? Because I have a I have a group of friends that shout out to my friends if they listen to this. Um, but I have a group of friends of like for real legit people that love me. Um, that's at least about eight people, okay? So uh, you know I would bunch them together. So you can do that part. But other people, but no more than that, okay? No more. And I really want you to think about that. Like, man, who's going to get this? Now, now, when I say, okay, six ounces of you, that is that is really just a metaphor of all of you. These people get all of you all the time. If something happens, you drop you drop what you got going to support them, if you can, as long as it's not going to be a hindrance to you, okay? We never want to, uh, we never want to put our own selves and our own uh, agendas uh, by the wayside for other people, uh, but when it's not going to affect anything for us, okay, we can. So, these are the people that get that from you, and I want you to ask yourself, what you know, who is that? What does that look like? How do I want to achieve that for myself? So these are some things that I want you to talk about. I did a little pause there just just because I really want you to take some time and reflect, you know. Um, but I also want to leave you with a scripture, of course, and a prayer. So the scripture for this week is Isaiah 41.10, okay? And one of the reasons, you know, why I love this scripture is because it's short, it's sweet, and it's to, and it's to the point, okay? God straight said, fear not, for I am with you, period. Fear not. So what is the truth about fear? The truth about fear is we need fear. But we don't need fear because we need to feel scared. We need fear to know that it's a part of life and that it's okay. Fear is just like any other emotion. I don't want you to be afraid of it. I don't want you to be scared of it. I don't want you to avoid it. I just want you to immerse yourself in it. It took me a long, long, long time to get this. But when I finally jumped out there and got it, it felt amazing. And and one thing I will say is, you know, I didn't really start launching out and diving into fear like I'm telling you guys to do um, until about three years ago. Uh, when my dad passed away, it was like a light bulb came on in my head that was like, hey, you ain't always going to be here. So while you sitting up here worried about what this person going to think, if you don't if you don't take them to Vegas with you or you worried about what this person going to think, if you say, no, I can't come to the baby shower. No, I don't have $100 for you to borrow this week. No, I can't give you a ride. While while I'm sitting up here worried about what's going to happen, life is just passing me by. And I'm not living. I'm still surviving. It was a reminder to me that I need to live. So I want this to be the reminder for you. So if you hear some birds chirping in the background, that's my apologies. I am recording from my home today. Um, and there are little baby birds literally right outside my house <laughs> um, that have built a nest and they are not going anywhere. Um, this must be a really nice nest. I need to go out there and look at it because they've been out there for a good three, four months. But I hope that did not impact um, the beautiful, beautiful topic that we had today. Um, so I always want to leave you with a word of encouragement. So please, if you would pray with me or feel free to listen to me and then pray later. Lord, as always, we just want to thank you for this time together. We want to say thank you, Lord, for us opening our eyes to, to look at fear in a different way. Lord, you have told us to fear not. 
And so those feelings of, of fear that we have, we are going to walk with them. We are going to dive into life with them, trusting and believing that you know the path for our life, that you will guide us, that you will support us. Lord, we know that even the people that we help, you know, we cannot do what you can do. So, Lord, we want to ask you for forgiveness of getting in the way of the lessons that you are trying to teach other people, the directions that you may have tried to take in other people. Lord, we can see now that even though we were trying to be helpful, we possibly were a hindrance. And so, Lord, we want to just let you know that every single day we are going to try our best to move out of the way. We are going to try our best to walk in our own lane. We are going to try our best, even though we are scared, even though we are fearful, we are going to remember that you are with us. And we are going to live life no longer in survival mode, but truly living as you have for our life, as you always have for our life. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your beautiful son, Jesus' name, we pray and ask these things, Father. Amen. So I hope you have an amazing day, an amazing week, and I look forward to uh, seeing you on the next podcast. I love, love listening to... Um, the the beautiful messages that people send me on instagram thank you so much for your comments so we were a little bit long today but i hope that's okay for some um and i just wanted to let you know that it just feels good to be back if you have a topic that you would like to talk about please send me a dm on instagram or facebook go to tjselfcare.com to join me on tour i would love to see you um again i will be in la um, june 12th oakland june 11th houston july 9th um, brooklyn july 23rd and atlanta august 6th and i would love 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 to see you in the building um please make sure you leave a review share this podcast with someone um tag me on social media so that i know who's listening i have no idea who's listening unless you uh let me know so i want to find a way to build and connect uh, remember we have our hill pray grow facebook group please join the group i give activities inside of the group and i also go live also, I hope you are following um, the Hill Pray Girl Instagram page. I give exclusives to when I am recording as well as go live. Um, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful time that we that we all have healing and growing from each other, uh, reading each other's comments. Uh, and so I just encourage you to uh, be a part of some of those communities. I hope you have a great week and I will, I will hear you or <laughs> see you on the next podcast. Bye.